Hello, welcome to the Blue Grid podcast. This is your host, Major Ani Fedotova, a psychologist at Los Angeles Air Force Base. What makes us resilient? What is grit? Please join me as I set out to discover how we can become grittier. This podcast features current and former military leaders, mental health experts, elite athletes, veterans, special operators, superior performers, POWs, and others affiliated with the military who have overcome significant adversity. Each guest will discuss the unique methods and practices to help airmen and really all service members or anyone interested to build mental toughness and grit. The views expressed are those of the author or guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the United States Air Force, the Department of Defense, or the United States government. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Blue Grid podcast. Today, I have Colonel Scott Sinek. He's my guest, and he's the Air Force Director of Psychological Health at the Air Force Medical Readiness Agency in Falls Church, Virginia. Colonel Scott Sinek has commanded at flight, detachment, and squadron levels. He has served as a mental health flight commander at four installations and twice as a MAGCOM consultant. As a faculty member at two psychology internship sites, Colonel Sinek has helped train and launch a total of 56 Air Force clinical psychologists. He deployed to Iraq in 2009, led the Joint Mobile Combat Stress Control, and completed 18 missions to austere locations. In 2013, Colonel Sinek deployed to Bagram Airfield, Afghanistan, as the 455 Combat Stress Control Detachment Commander, where his team was the theater hub for all psychiatric air medical evacuations and recovered repatriated personnel. And also, if I may make a mention of your excellence in competition award, pistol markmanship, and rifle markmanship, and your career is very impressive, Colonel Sinek. Welcome to the Blue Grid Podcast. Well, it's great to be with you, Anya. I love your podcast. I'm a fan, so it's a real treat to be your guest. I'd like to hear your perspective on what have you been hearing from our leaders in the community as you work in in the headquarters, and what are your thoughts on the overall mental health for our population as it relates to COVID-19? At this point, as of this recording, we're at the 10th of April, we're maybe three weeks in, maybe a little bit more for some of us a little bit less for others. Maybe for some of us listening, there's been no impact. You're essential personnel and you've been going about your business like normal. But for those of us, me included, to be in on this stay-at-home, lockdown, physical distancing protocol, this has been a pretty strange adventure. Maybe many of us dreamed of being able to stay home day after day and how great would that be? And maybe Along the way, we found out that having that wish fulfilled maybe wouldn't be so great. I guess to think of it as a tunnel, I would say we're in the middle of this dark tunnel of uncertainty with COVID-19. And it's a strange place to be where many of us were at home. And that's nice. We're with our families and pets and a lot of happy pets out there. But there's the threat of this illness and all the uncertainty that goes with that and the economic impact, those listening that have lost their job or have a spouse or someone they love that's lost their job, there's a lot of extra concern and potential damage from this. 
and the way forward, now that it seems like, at least as of this recording, that the infection rate in most places is not blasting off or it's leveling out, even in maybe some of the worst places in the country, it has us thinking about where to go next. And I think there's going to be a lot more uncertainty. I think there's no question that we're going to find our way back to normal life, but when that's going to happen and what sort of stepwise process. So all the uncertainty of that, I think, is just very challenging for people to deal with. All of our habits and our rhythms that go into our day-to-day lives that we automate to make our lives efficient, right? Like our wake-up routine, how we shower and get dressed, and when we do that. And then our weekends, we have a different rhythm. All of that's been thrown off. But now that we're maybe three weeks into this, I hope most of us have found a way to create some new rhythms. For me, I get into my business casual (laughs) clothing so that I'm not just in my weekend clothes working. And I found that helpful. I'll put my class ring on and put my challenge coin in my pocket because those are the things I always do when I go to work and I always work in the same place or two in the house. All that sort of helped me with my adaptation to this new status. It sounds like you very intentionally set up some routines that you talked about. Yeah, I think so. That's helped me. There have really been some great lists of tips and advice and websites and tip sheets that various entities, uh, certainly in the Air Force, have pushed out. And all of that is really good advice. And I like how that's a smorgasbord for people to pick and choose from and think about. And maybe at this point in the process, in the dark tunnel, it's time to take stock of what's working and maybe what isn't, because we just don't know when we're going to be getting back towards those more normal rhythms. Do you mind if I explore this just a little bit more? What does your day look like? Monday's my day to go into work, and I work here in D.C. I love the essential personnel-only commute time. It's half what it is on a normal day with D.C. traffic. So that part's amazing. But then work is a ghost town, and I relish interacting with the few people at my office that are there. And then the rest of the week, I'm in my telework mode. I've got my little command center of laptops and iPad and iPhones set up on my counter downstairs in my man cave. Is it an office or a room? It's a man cave. It has a ping pong table, a big TVs on the wall, Xboxes, refrigerator, neon beer light. <laughs> That is a description of a quintessential men cave. (laughs) Yeah, I've got a few boxes checked there. (laughs) What time do you get up? What's your exercise routine look like? Not having to commute to the office. I don't roll out of bed quite as early. That's nice. I think I'm getting more sleep now. Feeling the benefit of that, although I think all the uncertainty and some of the taskers get in the way of sleep quality. But just time-wise, I'm in bed longer. Working out at the end of the day makes the most sense for me. I don't really feel great about working out first thing in the day, I guess. I feel great about it when I can do it, when I'm done with it. But I like it as a boundary between work and then settling in for the evening and dinner time and such. Although it seems a little bit silly, I'm in my business casual here at my own home all day long. 
and I'll take breaks and go outside and come back in, what have you. At the end of the day, I'll change into workout clothes, go for a run, lift some weights. I've got a rowing machine. Go for a walk, get outside, get some sun, go with the family. And then there's that boundary between day and evening. And I might come back to the laptop in the evening, but at least it feels like I'm home again and I'm into that mode. Part of the reason why I'm asking is I find your responsiveness to emails and to Facebook messages so impressive. And I know you're a very busy man, but you always find the time when you seem to be able to respond to everything so quickly. And so I'd like to know what's the secret of being able to keep up with everything. Don't ask my coworkers, but my email inbox has a scary number of unopened messages. So I think maybe whatever benefit I get out of monitoring social media and some of those other sources, my main email inbox, there are some of those that just never get opened. That's something I'm doing battle with. How do I get better at that? Is your family in the house and how does that work with the kids? I've got three. One that's been out of the home for a while and the middle one is a college freshman pre-med from Baylor. She came home for spring break and then the decision came out that don't come back and spring break's extended and then it's permanent. And so she's been doing her coursework electronically with Baylor. It's great to have her home. Well, she says <laughs> that she's happy to be home and have her cat on her lap, but then she misses her life in Waco, Texas. And prefers classes in person, for sure. And then I have a high school sophomore in Virginia. The schoolwork being required or not is a bit of an issue. But it is great to be all here together. It's just weird to have the clouds of schoolwork and work sort of hanging over our heads. When this all started and you started hearing about COVID-19, did you ever think that we will find ourselves in this place where we all would be teleworking? Did you have an idea of the magnitude of this? There's a part of me that always sort of wondered about the future with telehealth, seeing online psychotherapy becoming more and more of a thing, the provider talk space that seems to be a big service out there. Just sort of wondering, given how so many things have evolved into that direction, whether it's Uber or Grubhub, uh, services that'll come fix your car in your driveway, put your windshield on in your driveway, come give you a massage in your own house. Just wondering if psychotherapy is going to go that way, our mental health services, and how soon. I've sort of wondered about that. And well, now that's on fast forward. There's so much of that being done and the previous restrictions on it have been loosened up in this time of crisis to bridge people through. And I think a lot of this innovation is going to stay in place once this crisis passes. But to your question, gosh, no, I don't think I ever imagined this. It's so strange to be around very populated areas and to see them nearly empty. I'm curious to come back to your thought, making a parallel between Uber and Airbnb or somebody coming and fixing your car for you, changing your own driveway, and that convenience of services being delivered. 
as more and more customers prefer that and potentially mental health moving that way out of necessity, right? So this idea of that crisis is both danger and opportunity, and maybe that's part of an opportunity for us to move towards that. In the broad sense, what do you imagine it would look like maybe five years from now, or 10 years from now? Innovation and evolution is painful and it's scary for those that have concerns about many legitimate things. I think the idea of psychotherapy being done over smartphones and laptops and you know, electronically, the boundaries of the relationship, I think, will be tested in some ways. I think the benefit of access, the number of people that will be able to get counseling and get services without having the drive time and the hassle involved, certainly for the Air Force mission, for people to be able to stay out in their work center are people that work in restricted areas. It's quite a process to get out of there and go across the installation and get into the clinic. So I think it makes so much sense. But then the providers control influence over the boundaries of the situation. What the customer is going to be able to do with their end of the connection, I imagine there could be some scary things that happen and how to handle that, how to get help to the person know where they are, if they're in crisis, maybe on the verge of killing themselves and on the phone, Skyping and FaceTiming with their therapist. That doesn't happen in our offices typically. So I think the field will have to adapt in some of our traditional ways of doing things. The concerns about those will get there. Yeah. Thank you for that. I'd like to talk about the prolonged impact of either quarantine or isolation, whether it's self-imposed or, or mandated upon a person. What are potential psychological impacts of prolonged isolation in context of COVID-19? That's a concerning aspect of this. Those of us, myself included, we're at home with our families. We have connections but our airmen in the dormitories, our single folks out there without maybe their closest connections closest to them. You know, we're social creatures and we really need that. And so the motto here at headquarters that we've gotten behind is physically distanced, but socially connected and pushing that in our messaging to encourage all organizations across the Air Force to find ways within work centers, social groups, to check on people, to hold Zoom meetings with your element or your little group, your organization, whatever that may be, to just ensure that you've got something more than a voice on the phone. You can see each other through the video camera and to just ensure that we have that social contact and we're doing the most that we can to connect and help each other through this time and reassure each other that although this feels pretty alone, we're getting through this together. What else comes to mind for those people who are dealing with marital problems or there are some issues within family dynamics? You know, what is it like for them to be in close quarters and what are potential long-term impacts of staying in those close quarters while they're in this huge marital discord or familial discord. 
Yeah, that gives a number of people a lot of concern. Not everybody's family's home situation is a good one. And whether it's with the kids or with the spouse or significant other, there are abusive situations out there that it can't be good. And there's a downturn in referrals to our family advocacy program and less referrals to our alcohol substance abuse programs. And all that makes sense because people aren't out and about, people aren't encountering each other, but yet alcohol sales have gone up significantly in March, 55% greater across the nation, the number that I saw. So certainly drinking is going up and without question, exercise has to be going down. We can't go to the gym. Many of us rely on the gym for our exercise venue. Yeah. So probably people are gaining weight. There's just a number of fundamental health and person well-being factors that are absolutely made worse by these quarantine times. And any words of wisdom about how to help leaders communicate, how to help leaders message to airmen and their families on most optimal dealing with the pandemic? Yeah. There's been so many great messages, and I think the high points from them are to get out. You can go talk to your neighbor. You just have to stay six feet apart, and you can get together with people, but it's a looser <laughs> gathering with smaller numbers. It's not that you can't go outside. Just go outside in a smart way. Getting people to think about the opportunity instead of the obstacle is really the key, and I don't think that's a new thing. I think even in normal life. That's the challenge with most people, but unique to these challenges with all this uncertainty, the best counteracting of that is with routine and focusing on what's in front of you and what's important now, what are the priorities and what can I do in my sphere of influence to take action and move the ball down the field and the things that I have control over, uh, getting up and moving, right? Like, I imagine if we could look at everybody's smartphone, I think all smartphones count our steps. I bet you nationwide, the amount of steps we're taking is going down. But really, our previous rhythms are what was making us walk. Well, we got to go make ourselves walk for right now. Focusing on fundamentals is really the key. We're social creatures. We need to be more active. We have to recharge. We have to eat right. I've seen some funny memes about social distancing from your refrigerator. <laughs> That's hilarious. I need to do that myself. <laughs> so adapting to these really strange circumstances, I imagine by the time most of us get this figured out, maybe at least me, <laughs> it'll be changing. We'll get back to our other rhythm. So just that human process of fine-tuning and trying to find the best rhythm for you. Realizing that the opportunities have always sort of been there you know, exercise, just some very basic exercise equipment and body weight. If one can't get really darn fit with uh, doing push-ups and lunges and plank and basic weights and rowing machine and walking and running, lunges, uh, squats, burpees, man, if you're not tired after that, then you're not trying hard enough. If you feel as though you need the gym, Okay, maybe if you're a super weightlifter or if your fitness pattern involves some really unique specialized equipment, okay, but I think you can stay pretty fit with those things. So 
this process has been helpful for me in reinforcing that point. I never thought I would really enjoy Zoom meetings or, uh, <laughs> or FaceTime group meetings, huddles, but they're really good. I prefer them to TCONs, being able to see people's faces and pick up on their cues when they need to say something. You know, in TCONs, you tend to step on each other with starting to talk a lot. But, you know, when people can hold up their finger if they've got something to say or, you know, wave or you can see their face reacting as you're saying something and, you know, all that's really nice. Is there one skill or one technique that you would recommend to service members who are really struggling with some of the things we talked about earlier? Whether it's getting into a routine, maybe it's problems in relationships, maybe it's drinking. So it's a very broad question and you can kind of answer it in the broad way, give examples to service members stuck at home. It's almost overwhelming now, all of the little tip sheets for how to cope and what to do to get through the COVID-19 isolation. Phase. I agree. I, I don't agree. think any one of those things is the key. And, and there's no menu or combination that's the one right answer for everybody. But I think for each of us in sifting through that, kind of surfing through for what sounds doable and what are we willing to try and not expecting that one thing to be the silver bullet that makes everything great, but what can we get a little bit of momentum out of? The success of the British cycling team over the last 10, 15 years, I think is a great example. I guess they used to not be very good, used to be kind of horrible on the world stage, not Olympic threats. Tour de France never were a real threat. But they set after making everything 2 to 3 to 5% better, everything that they did, just looking for little ways to make it better and how they trained, how they slept, the weight of their bicycles, the way that they ate, just looked for a little bit sliver improvement in all those things. And that added up to now they are a perennial power on the world stage. I think there's some wisdom in that for each of us as we think about what do we need to do on a daily basis. There isn't just one thing that makes everything great. We've got a combination of things that we're doing with how we recharge, how we refuel, how we get momentum and get moving the way that works for us, how we plan and set our priorities and follow through on our priorities, the ways that we connect with the people that matter to us and seek these balances in our life. And when we allow ourselves to be down and to play and leave aside our responsibilities and really let ourselves enjoy that, I think those are the fundamentals that we all have to find. And there's, gosh, there's so many great tips out there to just try on for size. So that would be my advice. I love that. And I also love that you mentioned there is so much information and you, you mentioned a few times what are your thoughts on processing information that is coming our way? I'm glad you brought that up. As we're recording this, the White House Coronavirus Task Force is on. The sound's off. And although I've got it on, I'm, I'm kind of looking for any big updates. But most of the time I have it off. By the end of the day, through other sources and podcasts and what have you, you can get a summary of what are the big happenings for the day. I think 
minute by minute, hour by hour to be hanging on the news sources for what's the latest development. Then you're just sort of dwelling on the uncertainty because this is a marathon, right? And it's tempting to run it like a sprint. At times, it seems like a sprint, but this is really a very long race, a long, dark tunnel that we're in, and uh, we have to pace ourselves and be mindful of our energy levels. Time management is something that some people really focus on. They're not wrong, but I think energy management is actually more important. You have to work out when you're ready, and you need to do your work when you're in that space, and write when you've got the energy for it. And then if you hit the wall, you need to step away. Can you talk a little bit more about energy management? When we get down on ourselves, and maybe to your question earlier, what about the people out there? What would I say that are really struggling? I bet you've hit the wall. You're not recharging. You're spinning your wheels. You're not getting traction on the things that matter to you. And maybe you are up against obstacles. But I bet you're not seeing opportunities to step sideways and then turn it back on again. Or more of the same harder is sometimes the right answer, but it's not often the right answer. Back up and go a different direction. Take stock. Are we in a losing battle with something? Do we need to let it go and move on to the next opportunity? And in practical terms, energy management really means simple way, listening to your body, maybe? I think so. It's body, it's mind, it's being excited, being passionate, but right, physically, being zapped and tired and exhausted and can't get going. And that sense of failure, I think, is when we feel like our forehead's up against an immovable object. I think oftentimes we take that personally, like, I'm failing, other people seem to be doing well, they seem happy, I'm not, I hate this, I suck. For you personally, how did you come up with this idea that you don't really like working out in the morning and you prefer to do it after work, before dinner, which I imagine all of it is part of energy management? Boy, that's a great question. I haven't connected those dots till you asked that question, but I think it is about energy. In the morning, my body doesn't feel as energetic as my mind does. In the morning, I'm thinking about work and this latest problem and this latest opportunity and who do I need to talk to and connecting dots mentally. And I like my routine, how it supports me thinking. And I've got free time as I'm kind of on autopilot, getting ready to go to work and commuting to work and listening to a podcast on my way to work. And then by the afternoon, I'm on the tail end of my mental energy. I'm kind of burnt. I really can't do a lot of really creative, productive mental work by late afternoon. But I've got bodily energy by then, and I really want to squeeze it out and a workout at the end of the workday before I go home and eat dinner and settle in for the evening is just a, a great rhythm energy factor. So that must be it. We're nearing the end. Colonel Sonic, I always ask, the same question of all of my guests, and that is, in your view, what are the ingredients for grit? And especially now that folks have less ingredients to cook up grit, what should they be focusing on? The ingredients of grit, we've always had them. It's always been within us. Now in these circumstances, in some ways, nothing has changed. 
it might be helpful to have a workout partner and to go to the fancy gym to engage our self-discipline and grit and motivation to get better and stronger and faster. In some ways, it's kind of stripped down, back to basics. This is still up to you. You can still make it happen. There's less of the rhythms and the things that we can maybe steal some momentum from to get us moving. There's a lot less of those now. But the ingredients of grit, it's about self-discipline, taking action on priorities, deciding what your priorities are, where your opportunities lay, acknowledging that there are obstacles, but taking action in spite of them. Grit is about action. I like grit a lot more than resilience. Tree can be resilient. It's not moving. We've got to go. I like that. Grit is about movement. The grit is about taking an action and being in control in some ways. I do like that. Anything else that I'm not asking you or that you'd like to share with the audience? Many of the people that you interview, Anya, have had really amazing stories of enduring difficult circumstances and getting through hardships, things most of us, gosh, we hope never happens to us, but yet these wonderful people are transformed through the experience. Or they're really elite athletes, inspirational people. I think those of us that are living in more normal circumstances, more normal average lives, we take our inspiration from that. And then here we all are living through our version of the COVID-19 episode. This is this generation's 9-11. This is something that's going to change America and our lives in many ways that we would have never foreseen. We can all get through this together apart. Stay connected. Thank you for that so much. I love that. And thank you for your wisdom. This was Colonel Sonic, the Director of Psychological Health and the Air Force Medical Readiness Agency, Falls Church, Virginia. This is your host, Major Anya Fedotova. Thank you for listening to the Blue Grid Podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed this interview. My goal is to air the narratives of courage, vulnerability, and crit to normalize the airmen's own challenges and help them internalize the message of hope and recovery. This discussion is not a formal medical advice, and any techniques, treatment, diagnosis, or alternative actions discussed are not a recommended treatment or course of action for all listeners, and are not a replacement for professional medical assistance. You are encouraged to seek medical or psychological help for your unique issue. If you have feedback, please find me in the global. My email is anavfedotova.mil at mail.mil. It's anna.v.fedotova.mil at mail.mil.